I shudder to think of how it would be if God would have left my redemption to me. What could I do? What could I say? My only hope hung on a hill far away. If not for the old rugged cross, if not for a hill called a symbol from some other time, some other place, but all that I am and all ever be, I owe it all to that old tree. If not for the old rugged cross, of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for that, there would be no hope for us. I praise the Lord for what He's done for us. Are you glad you're saved this morning? Would you say amen? amen? Praise the Lord for what He has done for us. Paying our sin debt that we might have everlasting life. I praise the Lord for that this morning. 
so good to see all of you here this morning. I want to just say that the message that I have that I believe God wants me to preach today is not an easy message. Um, it's not one that um, I relish in preaching, but it is a very serious message. It's a message that is in line with what is going on with our, our world today, our country today. The day and age in which we're living in, the, the country that we're living in, some things today might seem political to you, but they're not political, they're moral. There are things that are happening that are around us, that there's a, a war that is raging, and I want to preach as your pastor, preach a message that from the Word of God that truly w- should challenge us. Um, we need to be honest about what's happening. We need to ask God to open our eyes to see truth. There's a lot of lying out there today being called truth. We need to ask God that He would open our eyes to see truth this morning. And I would ask you to lay aside any preconceived ideas or thoughts or affiliations and ask God to speak to your heart today. I want you to take your Bible. We're going to begin here in Ephesians chapter 6. You should already be there. Hold your spot there. And then I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 1. We'll go to that in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 1. I want to begin with reading here in Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to follow along. I want to read the verse again. So as soon as you find your place there in Isaiah, just put your finger there and come back to Ephesians chapter 6 if you would. There we see in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. I want us to think about the spiritual wickedness in high places in our world today. There is a lot of wickedness. Spiritual wickedness in high places. It talks about the rulers of the darkness of this world. Today, this message is a very heavy message on my heart, and I believe it's one that God would have us hear, that God would have us be challenged within our hearts and our hearts to be heavy with what's going on in our country today. Before we preach this message this morning, I want to just have a word of prayer, and I want to ask God to speak to our hearts. I want to ask God that He will speak to your heart, and I'd ask that while we pray that you would allow God to, to speak to you and invite Him to speak to you. Ask God to help your eyes to see truth. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. I pray, Lord, that through this message that you'd be glorified. And Lord, I pray that the the heart from which this message is being preached would be from a heart of love, but a heart of truth. Lord, from your word, I pray that we would see truth. Lord, I pray for our country. Lord, we are in desperate need for help. And Lord, the only help that there is is from you. I pray, Lord, that we would see that today, that we would understand that this is a spiritual battle that's raging. And and Lord, you have given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would be Christian soldiers today, that we would be willing to get in the fight to stand for what's right, that we'd see truth open our eyes. Lord, I pray for the leaders of this country. Lord, I pray that you would do whatever it takes for them to see the truth. 
Lord, I pray that we would have Christian leaders that would be in position of leadership, that would be led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see that happen. And yet, Lord, as we see where we're at now, we do see that our country is headed in the wrong direction. Lord, I pray that our country would wake up. Challenge our hearts today, Lord, to start here, that we would awake and see. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, for my whole life, I have viewed the United States of America as being the greatest country on the face of the earth. I have felt that way my entire life. I still feel that way today, but things are not what they used to be, folks. Our country has changed in so many ways. There have been drastic things that have happened. And when you look back at our country, look at the history of our country, you see how God has blessed our country. God has blessed our country in so many ways. God has blessed our country with great resources. We've been blessed in this country with a great Christian heritage as well. I mean, we're sitting here today and we're worshiping the Lord, the, the heritage that's just in this place. And there's, there, are, there are churches just like this around, around the country that are meeting today as well. There is a great heritage that's been passed down. We look at our forefathers, those that have the, the, the godly heritage, the, the foundation for which this country was built upon. We have been blessed in a great way. But our country has seen some better days. The, the past few weeks that what's happened within our country has been horrific. And if you don't even know what I'm talking about, you're not listening, you're not watching, you're not paying attention. There are some things that happened in the last couple of weeks I never thought would happen in this country. And, and it's just amazing to think about the fact that American citizens have been abandoned, stranded in Afghanistan. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Listen, our country used to look at every single person as being valuable and important. There was no one left behind. And we see a progression of there being a what's best for the masses outweighing what's most important for the individual. Now understand this, There's, there comes a time and a place when you've got to join together, you make tough choices. But there used to be a time when in this country abortion was illegal. Alright? Killing babies is just a normal thing. Praise God, by the way, for the Supreme Court ruling this past week. That happened, listen, Texas, they passed a law that after the heartbeat is heard, you cannot have an abortion. That's a great step in the right direction. Praise the Lord for that. But there are people today that are saying, my body, my choice when it comes to abortion. But when it comes to other things, I think you know what I'm talking about. It, my body, it's not your choice. It's what the masses say. It's what you're supposed to do. What they're saying you should follow. You, they, they, they completely um, abandon the whole idea of the fact that our body should be our choice. By the way, a baby in the womb is not the mother's body. It is a creation that God has created that is a special creation. It ought to be protected. But what I'm trying to say is there's been a change in the way of thinking here in this country. Communist countries, they didn't care about during the revolution of millions of people dying. In China, millions of people dying and they think nothing of it. The sanctity of human life, they don't even know what that means. They don't care. They're a commodity. And our country is headed that way. 
When you can have a country like our country that will leave citizens behind, there's something wrong. Something so drastically wrong that they would abandon them. They, they were left with no way home. I mean, you could say that there was possible ways, but our country left them. They abandoned them. Our troops were ordered out. I mean, in the middle of the night, there they left. They left the, the airfield that they could have used to be able to bring our, our people home at, at a secure stronghold. It makes no sense. Why did they do it? It makes no sense to me. Other than that human life is not valuable. Other than that they're not seeing things the way our country has seen things in the past. The last few weeks we've seen chaos over there in Afghanistan. And we could talk about whether you should be in Afghanistan or whether you shouldn't be in Afghanistan. That's not even the question right now. It's about the priority of being more concerned about political things and what it looks like than the lives of individuals. You remember the news if you watched it, 170, over 170 Afghans were blown up. 13 of our service men, women, were, were killed as a result of a bomb. Meanwhile, the White House spokesman states emphatically that no one is stranded. I heard that with my own ears. Of course, before they stranded them. No one is stranded. All who want to leave will be afforded a means to escape. You know, our nation is in deep trouble. It seems that it's getting worse day by day. I'm not that old. For some, you probably say, I'm old. I'm 51 years old. One, I'm 52. I mean, but in my lifetime, I'm talking about just in the last 10 to 15 years, look at what's happened in our country. Look what's happened to the thinking of people in this country. Look what's happened to Christendom in this country, people that call themselves Christians, things that have changed, the drastic things that we've seen happen. Our nation is in deep trouble. In these verses here in Isaiah, I want you to look over there, Isaiah chapter 1. They not only describe the state of our nation, but it's forthtelling to what is going to happen down the road in the very near future, I believe. In Isaiah chapter 1, I want you to notice verse number 4. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it's desolate as overthrown by strangers. Jump down to verse 28. Notice what it says. And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together. And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired. Talking about idol worship. And ye shall be confounded for the gardens that ye have chosen. For ye shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden that hath no water. There was life, it was strength, but now it's weak. 
All the strength is gone. All the power the nation once had is gone. Verse 31, And the strong shall be as tow. Talking about kindling. And the maker of it as a spark. And they shall both burn together. And none shall quench them. You look at these verses and you think about them in the context of just in the very short time, the last 10, 15 years, and we see what has happened within our country. I have seen and watched our once great nation descend into lawlessness and debauchery. Never heeding the warnings of God's Word and the pleas of His people. Our nation has sown corruption, is now approaching the harvest of destruction. You reap what you sow. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Hey, listen, if you've got your eyes open at all, you can't help but see what's being sown right now in our country. What's being sown by our country over the last, I mean, several years. We've seen all the changes that have taken place in the direction that we are going. And by the way, it didn't just happen in the last 10 to 15 years. This is something that was facilitated because God's people stopped being involved as they should. God's people stopped living holy lives as they should. God's people stopped praying as they should. Our country has taken a change and people began to vote with their pocketbook and vote for how they can get more gain and voting for what's most important for me right now here in this place and thinking that they can somehow vote somebody into office that's going to give them more things. Compromise. We think that we're so mighty as a nation. And yes, we are a great nation. We think that we're so mighty, though, and many people think it. And I oftentimes been proud. I look at our military and I say, man, we've got the best military in the world. I mean, we spend more money on military than all the other countries. We spend so much money on our military that our military could take down any other army. Huh. But I can tell you this. Our might is nothing in the eyes of God. Our strength as a military is nothing in the eyes of God. God is bigger and more powerful than any military we could ever have in this country. Amen. You know, our new president and his administration by proclamation of their own party's platform. What is their party's platform, by the way? The party's platform, they're pro-socialist, Marxist, pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage, anti-capitalist, totalitarian in the style of governance. You look at what they've done since they've been in office. You look at what they stand for. That's what they're standing upon. And, and the, these people are people of low or no moral character at all. And as a result, we have lawlessness in our streets. We have chaos at the border. We have humiliation on the global scale and we have famine and pestilence across the land. You might say, no, we don't. Yes, we do. Spiritually speaking, there is famine and pestilence across this land right now. You see, God has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can be certain that our country will reap the grapes of wrath that we have sown. God is going to judge Yes, I pray for mercy. Yes, we ought to pray for mercy. But I know that God is just. He is a holy, righteous God. And He is a righteous, just judge. And so we as His people, I tell you what, I think we're going to have to hunker down. 
we're going to have to get down and we're going to have to go through some of that judgment as a result of it. I think we are even right now. But it's just starting. God's judgment is coming. God is going to judge. God is going to have His justice and judgment be made known and it's going to happen. Yet His hand is stretched out still, the Bible says. He's ready to redeem. He's ready to forgive. If only our nation would repent, would turn back to God. Now listen, I'm not sure how much worse it's going to get. I'm not sure how long it's going to take before we get to the place where, where because of God being betrayed, that there's going to be a price that's going to be so heavy that it's going to perhaps destroy this country. I believe it's not that far away. I believe there's, there's possibly going to be a civil war that's going to happen. There's going to be a financial collapse that happens. There's going to be perhaps an invasion from without. It might be all three. Now listen, I'm not telling you that these things are going to happen and I'm saying the day and the hour. What I'm saying is these things are bound to happen by the direction that this country is headed in right now. Now, by the way, for those of you that are offended that I would attack a political party, your political party perhaps, might I remind you that my political party is God? My political party is God. I hold no allegiance to any political party other, of this nation other than God Himself. What I'm saying today is because that's what the Word of God says. God tells us the way that we're supposed to live. God tells us uh, what is best for a nation. God tells us how He will bless a nation. And God tells us also with great warning what direction that we're headed in, that judgment is coming. You know, if you are angry with what I'm saying today, I will say that I'm in good company. The Israelites were angry with Isaiah as well. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear the truth. They're God's chosen people. Best nation on the face of the earth. Yes, true. But judgment was coming. Judgment not only was coming, but judgment came. It's history. We can look back at it. We can learn from it. We can glean from it. We know what happened to the Israelites. We know how they came into bondage. We know how that they turned to idolatry prior to that. We know that how that they worshiped the, the, the gods of this world in the groves and how that they went out there and they, they worshiped the gods of the people of this world that they had and not the one and only true God, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah. They did not worship Him. And as a result of it, judgment came down upon them. They lost their land. You see, each of us needs to decide. We need to decide who we're going to serve. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Libertarian. I'm not an Independent. I'm a child of God. And God is the one that, makes most, that is most important to me. God is the one that ought to be the one making the decisions about what I do in my life. God's Word ought to be the direction that I follow. And when there's such a definite line that divides that of right and wrong. I've never seen a day that's not more, where you couldn't tell right from wrong as today in the political realm where there's a people that are against God, they're against life, they're against anything that has to do anything with Christendom, with Christianity. 
When they're against the baby, when they're against, I mean, you can just go down, right down the line. They're against, I mean, so many things. They're against life itself. It's obvious for me. It's obvious. You see, you ought to know today, we ought to realize that our country is in distress. Our country is in disarray. And we need to look here again. I want you to look. Notice down, jump to chapter 9 of Isaiah. I want you to see and know the source of the failure. We see it. Isaiah 9, look at verse 16. For the leaders of this people cause them to err. And they that are led of them are destroyed. You know, we live in a very unique opportunity situation in this country. We don't have kings that are born into leadership here. We don't have um, assigned by some other country who's going to be in charge of this country. We actually elect our leaders. We elect those that are in the office in position of leadership. And it says, For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they are led them, uh, they that are led of them are destroyed. It's so amazing that people would elect these people into office, first, first of all, that are leading us down this road. Look at verse 17. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows. For every one is an hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. You know, in the past, it was God who gave people hope. In the past, in this country, it was God that gave people hope. In the past, it was the church that offered physical help to, the, to help those that were in need. That's the past. In the past, it was salvation through Jesus Christ that made a man or a woman better than they were the day before. When a person got saved, it transformed them. A born-again Christian is a different person. In the past, we saw people, and people said, man, you sure can see that man got saved. It changed his life. But in today's society, it's the government that people go to when they have a problem. Let me share a little secret with you. The government can't solve your problems. They can't fix them for you. Have you noticed that anything the government gets involved with, it doesn't end very well? People today, they're going to the government. They're trying to find help from the government. They try to find the problem, the problem solving from the government. In the past, people went to God. In today's society, it's the government that offers physical help and hope when people are in need. Nothing wrong with that, but there used to be a day when there was such help from the church. The government didn't have to step in to do anything like that. In today's society, it's the government that offers salvation and hope to men and women who find themselves in dire straits. The government. The events of the last two weeks have proven the fallacy of faith in our government to come to the rescue. I can say that if I was in Afghanistan, I would have been thinking to myself, oh, the government's not going to leave me here. My country wouldn't leave me here. My country's not going to leave me behind. They're telling us to stay at home because we can't get to the airport right now because of the Taliban. But they're going to make sure they get us before they leave. Have you watched the news at all? 
Tack that on top of the entire pandemic we're going through or have gone through. On a global scale, it has proven that no government on earth is capable of usurping God when it comes to hope, when it comes to deliverance, when it comes to healing. The government doesn't have the answer. While our government has been systematically removing all things religious, or more, I guess more to the point, all things Christian, they allow religion just as long as it's not Christian, as long as it's not Jesus Christ, just as long as it's not anything to do with Christianity. They've been trying to remove all of that from society. And at the same time, though, they have been inserting themselves, I'm talking about the government, into our culture as the great Savior for those in need. You know, we live in a day and age right now where the welfare has the highest numbers it's ever been. People on welfare right now? And our government wants to increase that. Wants to have more welfare. Wants to give more money to people that are not working. More money. And they're trying to get it to a place where people are making more money by staying home than by going to work. Sounds familiar. That's what's going on right now getting more dependent upon government. And you look at what it's caused. I mean, some of you business owners know exactly what it's caused. Some of us on a peripheral, we would see what it's caused because you go to a restaurant or you go to a business expecting it to be open, and it's not open. People are staying at home instead of working because the the government is trying to help them. Do you realize that right now the unemployment rate, the, the, the jobs that are out there exceed the number of people in unemployment? Exceeds it. What does that mean? That means that if somebody wants a job, they can get it right now. And that the government is facilitating this. They're pushing this. Why are they doing that? They're trying to get more people to rely on the government and to trust in the government. Instead of on our dollar bill that we have that says, in God we trust, they ought to say, in government we trust as a nation. You see... And it's not just the government. We, we see our society, it, it, it completely blows my mind. Not only ha- do they attempt to assume the role of God Almighty, I'm talking about there's people in our society that are in positions of leadership and great impact. I mean, let's just take for instance. Let's look at the oligarchs of Facebook, of YouTube, of Twitter, of Google. These people that want to try to control things and they decided that they will control what news that you're allowed to listen to or to read. They'll control it. They'll allow you what you, they'll allow, they're going to control what you're allowed to think as well. They're not going to let you have any access to the social media platform unless you agree with them. I can't even comprehend this. It blows my mind. I mean, think about this. Doctors, senators, uh, generals, even our former president have been censored or outright banned from speaking on these platforms. In the United States of America? You know, I remember growing up and hearing about those communist countries behind the Iron Curtain and reading stories like this where the government controlled the media, where people were thrown in prison and they were tossed in some prison out in the middle of nowhere, perhaps in Siberia, if they were to take any stand against the government. I remember thinking to myself, that would never happen in this country. Hmm. 
You know, if you talk to people that, are, that come from a, a country that was in the Iron Curtain, they see it so vivid. They're seeing it so vividly. They're like, what are you people doing? Don't you see what's happening right before you? Get your eyes opened up. These people are doing this because those in power have deemed that what they have to say is wrong speak. These doctors, these senators, these generals, and some of you sitting in here, they got booted off because of something you said. They say that's wrong speak. Wrong speak. That's wrong think. You're not allowed to do that. Doesn't match the narrative of the socialist or the tech tyrants they have deemed appropriate for consumption by the masses. In America? The United States of America? How did we get here? See, the issue is not a political issue, folks. I hope that's not what you're getting today. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual issue that's happened right here in the very hearts of Christians in this country that we've gotten to the place that we're at. God is going to judge, though. Judgment is coming. Is there any good news? Is there any good news that can come from this? I believe there is. I want you to look, if you would, jump back to Isaiah 1 now. Look at verse 16. Isaiah 1, verse 16. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If. Underline that in your mind. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. There is a choice involved here, folks. A choice for us. It starts right here. It starts with us. We can blame the politicians all we want, but they got elected into office by somebody. We can blame the politicians for where we're at today, but listen, the moral majority of this country, or at least I still hope it's still the majority, if they would stand for right morals and the Word of God and, and they would get their life straightened out, it would change this country. If you'd be willing. If you'd be obedient. If you do that, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you don't, if you rebel, refuse, you'll be devoured by the sword. War will come. Destruction will come. God has spoken. God loved the children of Israel. They were His people. 
God blessed the children of Israel. Look at what God did. But God judged the children of Israel. And if God judged the children of Israel, if God would judge Israel, He will judge this nation. See, God has made a promise that He will forgive and heal a nation if its people, if its people will repent and turn to Him. Ye the people. It's us. We can point fingers anywhere we want, but we need to start right here. Right here in our own hearts. How are we living? I mean, are we out there talking about the groves? Are we out there in the idol worship of this world and and, uh, the things of this world being more important than our God? I mean, by the things that we give worship to, are we worshiping the idols of this world and worshiping money and, and worshiping the things that we have? And yeah, we've got all kinds of things. Is that what's most important to us? Or is God? Are we obedient in our living? Are we living lives that are wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind and the Word of God that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, listen, we got to go back right here where we're at and start right here in our own hearts. Yeah, there's going to be people that will resist it. Our country, there would be a lot of people that would resist to return to God. But you know, God's Word says that those who follow Him and spread the truth of His Word will be hated by the world. Don't be surprised that if you make a stand for what is right and you decide within your heart you're going to do right no matter what, that people will be against you. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 18, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. Stop for a moment. Have no problems with the world. They love you to death. That should be a sign. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. It's not going to be a popular message, but it's needful. Those that are in the world are not going to like the message, but our country desperately needs a great awakening. I'm not talking about being woke, folks. I'm talking about a great awakening. Awakening. Opening their eyes to see spiritual things. I'm talking about people turning away from the wicked direction that they're headed in. The things that they're doing and repenting and turning back to God. Having a nation that is turned back to God in a great awakening. easy for me to say I don't think that could ever happen humanly speaking that's the truth we are so far down in this country I don't know if it could ever occur but there are some things I do know and one of them is this all things are possible with God number one number two God is love God loves us all God wants for us to repent more than we would ever want repentance. God would want for us to turn away from that wicked direction more than we would ever even benefit or understand the wonderful direction He wants us to go. God wants to forgive this country. God wants to bless this country. There is still hope for this nation. 
Look there at verse number 7. Go to chapter 9. Look at verse 17 if you would. Look at the last part of the verse. You see it? For all his, this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. God is a holy, righteous God, and God will judge. And though God's anger is not turned away, you know what that means? That means there's going to be some sowing that we're going to have to go through because of the sin. Yeah. Our country has reaped a lot of, sown a lot of things, and it's going to reap. And by the way, that might be exactly what this country needs for people to have that great awakening, for people to turn to God. But his arm is still outstretched. He's still wanting for people to come back to him. He's still wanting for this country to come back to him. He is desiring to redeem and forgive. So, what's the answer? Say, you're awful negative about our country. I love this country. This is still the best country on the face of this earth. But we're headed in a terrible direction that's going to destroy all of that. And it's destroying all of that. What can I do? First and foremost, to ask God to examine our hearts and make sure that we're not out there worshiping the false idols of this world. Thinking that we somehow are going to get strength because of the money, the God of money. It's withered. It's dying. It's not going to last. Asking God to show us our own hearts and saying, God, please forgive me as God reveals it. Repent in your own hearts. Ask God for forgiveness. Pray for our country. Ask that God would speak to the hearts of men and women across this great land, that we would see a revival, a great awakening, that God would then speak to hearts, that people would repent and turn to Him for forgiveness. This morning, I want to conclude this message. It's not going to be an altar call, it's going to be a call to prayer. You say it's the same thing. No, I don't want you to look at it that way. I want you to look at it like this. I'm a child of God. I love this country, but most importantly, I love God. And right now, our country is in great need of God's people getting on their knees before God and praying. Praying and starting with God examining our own hearts and then praying for our leaders, praying for the leadership, praying for the people in this country to have their eyes open, praying that God will use us to share the gospel. The only thing that's going to change a person that's blind is for them to have sight, to be able to see. Spiritual blindness is by many people in this country. They don't even see spiritual things. They don't even know what's going on, what we're talking about today. They need to know Christ as their Savior. They need to be born again. We need to pray that God would use us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want to invite you today. I would like to ask for every one of us to get on our knees before God and pray. And pray for this country. I want to invite you to join me here at the front if you'd like to. I would invite you to come. We see that there's a need. 
We see the direction that we're headed and it's wrong. We see that it's a spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a spiritual battle. And I can tell you right now that we need to get power from God. We need to get on our knees before God and pray. And I invite you to come and join me and pray. Would you join me? Let's all stand up if you would. Let's pray for our country. I invite you to come. Won't you come and pray with us? Let's all get on our knees together. Get on your knees before God and pray for your country. God in heaven, we do thank you for Jesus, our Savior. We do thank you that you are a loving, merciful, gracious God. You are ready to forgive more than we're ready to confess our need for forgiveness. God, this people... I was going to say in this nation. God, this people, I was going to say in this place, we're all sinners in need of forgiveness, each and every last one of us. God, may confession begin at home 
God make confession of sin begin in this place, right here, in this room. God may the confession of sin begin in this county, this town, this state. We need your forgiveness, Lord. But God, you ask that we confess our sin. And then you will forgive. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then you say you'll hear from heaven. Then you will forgive their sin. And then you will heal their land. God, we ask for your hand. Your grace and your mercy. And may it begin right here with me with our pastor, with our families, with the men of this church, with the women of this church, with the children of this church. God, may you heal our land and may this country again be a place where freedom is proclaimed, where Lord Jesus' name is lifted up, where salvation is made clear and where sin is made clearer. God, I pray that you'll do that soon. We look forward to the Lord Jesus and his return. We want to give you glory and grace and praise for that. We look forward to that. But until that time, may we be found faithful today and tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we come to you this morning burdened for our country. Lord, we thank you for the Christian morals that this country was built upon. Lord, we thank you for allowing each and every one of us to live in this great country, Lord, that allows us to worship you freely. But Lord, we come to you this morning desiring to see a revival in our country. Lord, our, our desire is that, Lord, hearts would be turned back to you. Lord, we see the wickedness, we see the sin that is so prevalent throughout our society. And Lord, we pray that while we may understand that we call sin, sin, right, 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 and wrong, wrong, Lord, may we have a heart of compassion and a heart to reach our world. Lord, may we look to, to reach those, Lord, who don't know you. Lord, may, may we seek to, to see lives changed and hearts touched through your word. Lord, I pray that for each and every person in this room, myself included, Lord, that you would just give us a heart to see our country turn around. And Lord, may we allow it to start with each and every one of us. Lord, may we not wait for somebody to take the lead, but may we as Christians, Lord, pick up the baton and run with it. Lord, may we be the trailblazers. May we be the ones carrying forth the light. 
Or may we be the first ones, as Brother Randy said, to get on our knees and confess our, and confess our sins. May we be the first ones to humble ourselves before you. May we be the ones leading the way. Lord, we lift up our leaders. We think of people like President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Lord, we pray that for each and every one of our leaders, Lord, that if there's a single one of them that doesn't know you as, a, as their personal Savior, that you would place the people in their life, that you would soften their hearts so that they could come to a saving knowledge of you. Lord, our desire is for them to know you personally. And Lord, that they would do things, Lord, not right by their own agenda, not right by a political party, but Lord, what is right by you. Our desire is that our our leaders would follow you with their hearts and with their lives. And so Lord, we come to you now and we pray that the church would lead the way, that each and every one of us would humble ourselves take up our cross and follow you. Or may we be the examples that our world desperately needs. May revival start with each and every one of us. Lord, we love you. We pray that we would allow you to work in each and every one of our lives in whatever way you see necessary. May we be open and moldable in your hand. Lord, we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We need to continue to pray. And uh, I want to invite you. Come out and join us tonight. We've got an opportunity to be able to make a public um, lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight at our service uh, down at the Waterfront Park at 6 o'clock. We will not be here tonight. We're going to be downtown at the Waterfront Park. If you're not sure where that's at, you can talk to one of us. We'll get you directions. It's where the Badger actually uh, parks the boat down there. So if you know where that's at, it's right in that general area. There's a park called the Waterfront Park. And invite you to get there tonight. Get there a little bit early and get your seats set up. Um, bring a lawn chair, something to sit in. Um, and somebody mentioned earlier, it was a good idea, maybe you might want to bring an extra one in case there's somebody that comes that doesn't have a chair. If you've got a, a couple extra chairs you want to bring, that way they will have extras there. Um, but invite you to please be part of that tonight, if you would. I'm going to have Brother JB, if you'll come at this time real quick. And uh, Brother JB is going to be going on a mission trip down to Ecuador. Um, the Lord opened up that door of opportunity on the last couple of weeks. And, um, and Brother JB's prayed about it and has stepped through that. And now I know God will provide for that, but we have an opportunity to be able to be part of helping Brother JB to be able to go and, and some of the tools to be used to be able to reach people with the gospel down there in Ecuador. And so I'm going to have the ushers come forward. Gentlemen, if you'll come forward, we're going to take up the offering this morning. And, and while we're taking the offering up, Brother JB is going to share uh, for a few moments just what's going on as far as that mission trip, the opportunity. And then also, um, I want to make sure you know, we've got some cards that are back on the back there um, that you can grab one of them and make a commitment to um, uh, helping for that mission trip. And we'll talk more about it when J.B.'s done. Let's go ahead and ask the Lord to bless the offering this morning. Brother J.B., why don't you come and ask the Lord to bless the offering and then share with us if you would. Thank you, sir. Heavenly Father, thank you for a country that we have that is so great, Lord, that uh, we can preach out of your word and talk about you. Uh, Lord, help us uh, to exercise that right. Lord, help us to make that part of our daily lives and living an example to those that we see and that can hear us. Lord, I thank you for this church. I ask you to bless this offering. 
we're about to receive, Lord. In your name we pray this. Amen. Uh, as Pastor said, I'm going to be going to Ecuador. Uh, many of you guys know I normally go to Costa Rica. Uh, my high school buddy that I graduated from high school with, military with, police academy with, uh, quit his job full-time uh, as a police officer to go full-time missions. He and his wife live in Costa Rica. Uh, they have an agreement with the Costa Rican a government to train their police officers in what would be considered our military um, uh, with tactics. He'll bring teams of hardcore SWAT cops uh, down from the United States and they show up to get trained. They're immediately given a Bible and they have to go through the curriculum. They have to, otherwise they're kicked out of the camp. So it's usually a week long. But in the meantime, uh, we're working one-on-one -on -one with these officers. Uh, as you know, you know, hairdressers talk with other hairdressers. Sometimes preachers talk with other preachers. Cops talk to cops. And uh, sometimes we're a hard batch of people to talk to. Uh, but as we're training them and making them do push-ups and screaming and yelling in their face and dragging them out of buildings and shooting them with ammunition rounds, uh, we're also preaching the gospel to them and creating these one-on-one -on -one relationships. Uh, and that's where, by the day three, day four, those, those relationships start building, and then you bridge that gap and you can share the gospel. Uh, um, talking about God to uh, people uh, down there, are, it's very easy because everybody believes in God, but they have no idea what a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is. That's what us officers do. Well, we are a bunch of hardcore cops that are far from perfect, that have made tons of mistakes, and each night, one of us would get up, two of us would get up, and we would share a personal testimony. Talk about our failures as fathers, as husbands, as Christians. You know, just be open with them uh, about how, how terrible we are and how great our God is that he saved us. And when they see that God can save people like us, then they start believing that God can save someone like them. Uh, this chance... Uh, that I have to go to Ecuador. Uh, Ryan's ministry is called Tactica, Teaching Authorities Christian to, uh, Truths in Central America. Well, it's not just Costa Rica. Uh, the Ecuador government has actually saw the benefits of the training that the Costa Rican uh, fellas and ladies get, and they say, hey, we want some of that. We are invited to their military base. I mean, if you could imagine a Christian group being allowed to go to Fort Bragg, and train them, but they have to look in the Bible. They have to read. And this is the agreement that they have now with the Ecuador government. Uh, so we're going to be staying right there on the base. Uh, Ryan had another officer that couldn't make it, so he had an opening. He says, can you go? So this is super, super short notice, uh, but God's going to provide for that. I'll be leaving September 26th. Uh, be there. I'll come back, uh, Lord willing, October uh, 5th. It's going to be a super, super high elevation, so uh, I'm not as young as I used to be, so running and gunning might be a little more difficult, uh, but I'm counting on God to provide. Uh, the knives really quick. Each knife that I get, I put in my pocket. I'll hand to somebody on, uh, off my person to them, and I tell them, this is my knife. I'm giving it to you. You have to take it. You couldn't take it from me if you wanted to. Uh, once you take it, it's yours, and then that transitions into... Uh, how the gospel is presented. Uh, these knives go out to uh, other officers that are training, 
And as soon as we give one knife away, we go back, we get another knife. And now that's our personal knife. Uh, it's a great way to uh, bridge that gap. So if uh, you feel led to support, uh, that would be great. If you feel led to buy a couple knives, that would be great. Uh, ultimately, uh, I don't need your money, and God doesn't either. But uh, you guys would be missing out on an awesome, awesome blessing. Uh, and I hope that you can partake of that. So thank you for your time. Thank you, JB. Let's be praying for him and put some feet to the prayer or some money in the, in, in the, the, the um, what's needed to be able to send Brother JB. I would um, let you know on the back table back there, there's a clipboard, and there's people that have signed up for those knives. They're $12 a piece. If you put your name down on there, um, depending on the number of times you put it down, just multiply that times 12 and make sure you get that turned in. Put in an offering envelope, mark on there for the, um, for the knives, and then we'll make sure that that gets to Brother JB. He'll be ordering those. They're coming from Amazon. It's the same knives that he took to Costa Rica. And uh, so if you would like to, to sponsor some of those knives to be given specifically and directly to, to wanting to use them as a tool to lead souls to Christ, um, you can do that. Um, if you'd like to help Brother JB in the cost of his trip, make sure you mark that also on your envelope. Um, put down on there for mission trip to, to, uh, for JB. And that all of the money that, that comes in for that will make sure that he gets that. You need to get that in by the 20th. Am I right, Brother JB, on that? Okay. Yeah, so as soon as possible. Okay. Yeah. Tickets, all that stuff's got to be paid for. And so if you're willing to help with that, that's something you could do today if you'd like to do that. There is a box back there. You can get an envelope, fill it out. Put in that box. We'll make sure and make sure you mark on there for his mission trip. You might not have come prepared today. Go to our church website, click on Give, and you can do that online. And then just make sure you mark, notate it. Make sure you notate it though for JB mission trip or for the knives. So you can do that online as well. So opportunity for us. Invite you back tonight. Appreciate you being here this morning. Let's all stand up. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Let's continue to pray for our country. And um, ask Brother Tim Ruby, sir, would you please come and, uh, well, you can, you can lead us there. Just dismiss us in prayer this morning, if you would.